Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 594 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Piller, in the Blue Mountains. Ross Levitan still away on vacation, but he will join me in today's interview with Sports Illustrated and Hockey News Analyst, Tony Ferrari, a recurring guest on the show. We're going to cover the 2022 NHL Draft. He talks a little bit about Gleb Trikizov, Brad Lambert, Ty Nelson, Joachim Kamel versus Jonathan Lekaramaki. Lots of great stuff to get into with Tony Ferrari. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get into today's episode of the Locked On Senators podcast. Here we go. Today is Tuesday, July 5th. Thank you for making the Locked On Senators podcast your first listen or watch of the day. We're available on all audio podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're on YouTube. So if you'd like to watch us and you'd like to help us grow, please give us a like, quick thumbs up. Subscribe, be a friend, tell a friend about the Locked On Senators podcast, and leave a comment below on any of our videos. Now, guys, there's a lot of videos for you to leave comments under because we have done in our draft coverage playlist, we have 100 videos done covering this draft. We've been covering it very, very intensely as there hasn't been a whole lot of uh, other news going ar- around in Sens land and we're still waiting to hear on more news. All these rumors of Claude Giroux going to Edmonton, Toronto, get out of here. He's coming home. Claude Giroux's coming home to Ottawa. Let's hope so anyways. Uh, July 13th, I believe, is when free agency opens up. So that'll be interesting to watch how that day goes, especially from the Giroux angle. But other than that, there hasn't been a whole lot of news on the Ottawa Senators front, which is uh, really too bad. But we're going to keep pumping out more draft content. As I mentioned off the top of the show, our good friend Tony Ferrari from Sports Illustrated and Hockey News heard of him couple uh, really respected entities in the industry and Tony Ferrari has been on our show a bunch of times I think this is probably his sixth or seventh time we love having Tony on the show your favorite bald analyst that's for sure and we get into a lot of great topics about the 2022 NHL draft Tony has his own mock draft his own rankings so definitely go check those out and um, you can catch up on everything he's been working on and we have a lot of good things that we get into here. The, Tony talks about my guy, Ty Nelson. I was stoked that he ends up uh, pointing out that that could be a prospect that the Sens could be targeting in the second round. As you guys know, that's the defenseman that I think would be great for Ottawa in the second round. You get into some caution about Cutter Gauthier, which is good because, you know, we've been pumping him up a lot. He's been our our pick in all of our mock drafts we've done for the Ottawa Senators. I think a lot of Sens fans like him and his style of play. 
but there are some reasons to be cautious. And there's also mostly Tony just kind of uh, warns that there's players that he feels have better value at that range, which is totally fine. He gets into the debate. All right, if the Sens aren't available to uh, take Cutter Gauthier like we kind of uh, expect they will be if he's taken before 7th overall. Maybe they're looking at Joachim Kamel or Jonathan Lakaramaki. Who of those two does Tony like better? He gets into that whole debate and a whole lot more. So let's get into that interview. But before we do that, we got to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. you got a protein power-up with the best protein bar in the industry, it's Built Bar. Summer is here, and you're going to need some food to fuel all your outdoor activities. And Built Bar is the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. If you're going golfing, throw them in your golf bag. If you're heading out to work and need a little extra protein throughout the day, put it in your laptop case, whatever. They're so easy to bring along with you, and they can make sure your summer adventure is fueled up properly. What's the best part about Built Bar? Well, there's two best parts. They're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order now. All Built Bars and Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy it. Have you tried the Built Puffs yet? They have marshmallows that are protein-infused, and they are delicious. Go to Built.com to check out all the cool flavors they have. They have a new summer flavor, which is very interesting to me. How about raspberry lemonade protein bar? Now, I know I just said all the bars are covered in 100% chocolate, but this might be the first one to go a little different as it's covered in a delicious lemon coating with real raspberries in there. So check that out today at Built.com. And if you're looking at getting some of those raspberry lemonade protein bars, Use our promo code LOCK15 and you're going to get 15% off your next order. So guys, use our promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All right, guys, let's get to our interview with your favorite bald analyst from Sports Illustrated and the Hockey News. It's Tony Ferrari. All right, we now welcome on a very good friend, Tony Ferrari. You can follow him on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari. He's a contributor to the Hockey News, and you can also go check out his top 100 draft rankings for the 2022 NHL Draft over at WingedWheelPodcast.com. Tony, first question: I mean, a top 100—that's biting off a big, big bite of the the sandwich, the pizza, the pie, whatever you want to call it. How much effort? goes into each list. I always like asking these people because it is oh. such a year-long process, if not longer. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've been watching most of these guys for at least a couple of years, especially the top-end guys, guys like Brad Lambert, Frank Nazar, the USNTB guy, Shane Wright, obviously, for a few years now. So you, you start to know these players pretty in and out. And by the time you get to December, you think you have a pretty good idea. And then there's guys that pop up like like Marco Casper, and, and you, you watch a guy like Simon Nemec all year and see him develop, and same with David Juracek when he gets back from injury and everything. So it's a long process, but it's a lot of video. It's a lot of watching these guys over a couple of years. And and then it's just kind of understanding what you like and what you value and, and just being true to yourself. 
Yeah, and we, we've uh, been using your rankings as a reference for our own rankings, and we love looking at the different ranges that uh, our seven uh, entities use and where guys could end up on uh, draft day. And where what player would you say you're maybe higher on or highest on uh, as opposed to kind of the rest of the general consensus? Well, I was going to say Gleb Trikazov, but the fall of Frank Nazar seems criminal at this point. Uh, Gleb is a guy that I think is incredibly talented, incredibly skilled. There's so much to like there. His playmaking ability is shot. is one of the best in the draft, and he doesn't get credit for it. But he plays in the MHL, so I understand why some yeah. people don't have him as high, and, and I kind of get that. Whereas the fall of Frank Nazar, I, I don't understand it. This is a guy that outside of me and EP, I think he's not really in the top 10 anymore. And it's kind of coincided with the, the rise of Cutter Goche, which I don't quite understand, but it's there. And it, this kind of happens at the end of every draft season. It was like March, April, May, Nazar was in the top 10, got, Goche was around 20, and then things kind of flipped. And now I'm seeing Nazar at the end of the first round on a lot of lists. And if he goes at the end of the first round, whether it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Montreal Canadiens towards the end, a team like Tampa Bay or someone like that kind of gets him, this is going to be a really high-end player that someone's going to get and, and really kind of value and, and probably be one of the best prospects in their system. It's so funny that you mentioned that, Tony, because on ours, and we mentioned we've got seven different lists that we look at, and right now we have one tie throughout the entire thing when we average them out. And it's Nazar and Gautier, both tied with an average rank of 11. So I understand that. So let's stick with the NTDP and and more importantly, Gautier, because we just had Chris Peters on who just raved about Cutter Gautier. And that's a lot of people are starting to give him the Jake Sanderson treatment of once they stop playing for the year, he just rises up all these lists. So what is it about Cutter Gautier that maybe keeps you from being so high? I think it's just looking at him compared to the other guys. Like A guy like Nazar specifically – he has all this upside. You see the flash and the flair and the ability to kind of be the game breaker in the game. And while I don't think Goche is a bad player, like I think I have him at 16 or 17 on my board. Like he's certainly a very good player. He's a guy that, like you said, after everyone stopped playing, all of a sudden he starts rising up the board. So I don't know whether he's being an excellent interview or anything. Unfortunately, he was not a guy that I got to talk to a whole lot this year, but this is a guy that he plays a really projectable game. And I think a lot of times, especially in a draft like this, where, We've seen two years of these guys, essentially, their two most important years, be affected by the pandemic and their development's kind of been up and down. A guy like Nazar, you look at and you're like, yeah, there's some risk there because there is that that bus factor. If that controlled ball of chaos doesn't necessarily work out and figure it out. But at the same time, if that controlled ball of chaos works out, he's probably a top two or three player in this draft. So you look at that and you, you take the risk there. But with Goche, he's a guy that I think teams are kind of projecting at center, which I don't quite understand he played a little bit there when Cooley was at the world juniors uh he filled in at times but every time that the full team was there he was back on the wing and a guy like Nazar was down the middle so I think he's a really fun player really projectable player he's got a really nice shot I don't know exactly where the rise comes from outside of maybe really good interviews and at the end of the day reviewing tape and everything it's a he's a good player I don't I don't disagree with that but the top 10 might be a little rich for me and I mean, that's totally fair. I think sometimes um, fans of certain prospects that get up in arms when someone says, oh, like I have him lower. It's not necessarily a knock on that player. It's just like, oh, I see other guys with better value, better potential. And and, uh, and that's fine. It's all uh, it's all an opinion and everybody has different ways they look at it. Now, one guy that um, you're very high on on your list is Brad Lambert. And we, we talked to a lot of uh, prospect scouts and uh, analysis, analysts about him and the thing is, you can see that pure skill and you can see that when he is on, 
it it looks like he's got the makings of a top 10 guy but you don't always see that and he's been playing over in uh, the pro league in Finland so he hasn't quite been able to put it together he had to move uh, teams midway through the season that raises some red flags where is the kind of divide between those moments of brilliance and the rest of Brad Lambert that maybe might have teams hesitating on taking up swing on him with a uh, valuable pick. I, I think the first thing is that the best team he played on this year was the world junior team. Yeah. Um, and that Fair. sounds completely unfair because he played on two pro teams uh, outside of that. And like, wow. Yippie Vescola was good. They're fine. Like they're, but they're still a bottom kind of tier team in the league of this year. And, at the end of the day, I, I watched so many games with him where he was on the first line to start, and then he'd be on the third line, then he's taking shifts with the fourth line, then he plays a shift or two with the second line, and he's back on the third line, but with two different line mates. And it's wow. like, what is going on here? Like, there was yeah. no stability on the roster. There was no stability. In the, it was basically Jeff Blashill just line mashing all, the, all night long at times. <laughs> it, was pretty un, it was pretty unreal to see at times. And then at the end of the day, you're like, oh, he played 11 minutes. And it's like, well, how is this guy supposed to get comfortable playing 11 minutes? And Fair. the guy that I compared him to, at least not, not stylistically, but at least situationally, is Lucas Raymond in his draft year. And we've all seen how good he turned out this year with the Red Wings and everything. So while I don't think they play the same style of game, they were in kind of a similar situation. So I think that's kind of a, a thing to look at there. And, and then with when he went to the Pelicans, like that was a team that was – playing minor league hockey basically it was uh there were times where they try the flying v there were times where they try to break <laughs> it and I, I mean I they are I, the pelicans the flying I, v makes i wish sense. i was kidding but like there Elite were times where, like they tried to, oh great logo terrible breakout they try to break <laughs> out five men across the ice like what are they doing i don't it, it was frustrating to watch there'd be so many times where he'd be kind of cutting across the middle in the neutral zone using his speed using his skill and then the pass would just get absolutely dumped in behind him, like dumped down the ice for an icing call. There were a couple of times that th- this year where he set up a guy around the back door, especially with the Pelicans, and it would just go off the guy's stick. Like the dude could have stopped the puck, had a drink of tea, and then put it in the net, and he didn't have the ability to even do that. So when you saw him at the World Juniors and he was able to take over the game there, and he, yeah. despite it only being two games, I think that's where you're seeing the real value of this guy. And obviously small samples and blah, blah, blah. Like I, I'm never the guy that's like going to tell someone to listen to a small sample. If anything, I'm going to tell you to disregard a tournament completely. But with a guy like Frank Lam- or Frank Lambert, uh, Brad Lambert. Two, fa- two of your favorites, though. Yeah, two of my just boys. Just put them together. Yep. Uh, I love it. Um, <laughs> but that's just it. I think a guy like Brad Lambert, if you put him in a situation like the, the NTDP, he's Frank Nazar. And that's where right. you're getting the value where. But with the situation he was in and everything, I, I think it's going to be fun to watch him at the World Juniors this summer when he uh, is already drafted, goes 42nd yeah. like Craig Button thinks he might, and uh, <laughs> then he looks like one of the best players at the tournament. So if you're the general manager that picks him, is he playing in Saskatoon next year? The team that, was that has my his question. rights in the WHL? Great question, Pilsey. No, yeah, he's playing in the AHL. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, he's a European player. He doesn't have a, pro- a contract for next year as far as I know. You can put him in Saskatoon if you want just to keep him with the junior level. But I, at the end of the day, I think this is a guy that can play uh, with the pro level. Uh, treat him like William Nylander. Treat him like Philip Zadina, like sure. uh, Moritz Sider after his draft year. They yeah. all play in the AHL. And, and you, you look at a guy like this and you put him in the AHL. He's played against pros for at least two and a half years now. Yeah. He's used to playing with the physicality and everything. And, yeah, this year it was obviously a down year for him uh, production-wise. But you put them with guys that have some level of skill and you're, you get your hands on them developmentally. And the other thing with the HL is, like I said, you have that hands-on experience. You're able to kind of dictate what he's doing on a day-to-day basis. So I think that's a really important thing for Brad Lambert. And yeah, one I mean, thing uh, – right. sorry, Ross, just before no, we go right. on, I'm glad you mentioned that about Lambert because, Ross, remember when we talked about him? 
but the one thing I kept seeing is like this guy just keeps trying to do things on his own. Like he will not use his teammates. And then next year, you and I are his wingers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like I was so frustrated watching highlights of him being like, why doesn't he make that simple pass to his centerman trailing behind? Well, it makes sense. If if he knows it's just going to lead to a turnover or, or it's not going to work, he's probably going to try to do it himself. So I'm glad you mentioned that because that kind of shed some light on uh, why he was playing such a certain style over there, at least from what I saw. Yeah, and we saw this even Sens fans talking about a guy coming over from Liga. I think obviously the much higher ceiling on Brad Lambert, but what what Roby Jarventi did came over and it yep. took him a little while to get going, but ultimately at 33 points in 70 games, and now he's getting used to the smaller ice and. In uh, in Tony's case, what he's mentioning about Brad Lambert is getting to play with better teammates, which can certainly help. One thing I meant to ask you earlier, and you kind of hinted at it with the wide range of guys here in the in the mid tier, but what's the strength level of this draft overall, in your opinion, versus let's say the last three four years? I, undecided, and and that sounds like a cop out answer, I think. But like I like I kind of mentioned earlier, this this draft class has been so affected by the pandemic. A guy like Shane Wright didn't play at all last year, and then the year before his season was interrupted, and then he didn't get that summer of development that he normally would get. So so many of these guys are just kind of up and down developmentally. Even the guys that got to play, their practices were with five other guys for for a whole year and stuff like that. And then their summers were completely eliminated because they couldn't get ice, so they couldn't get training facilities, they couldn't be in the gym. There's so many little things like that that normal draft years get over the last few years that this draft year didn't get so i think at the age 16 17 18 these guys were affected more than anybody and and now we're kind of seeing that with some inconsistent draft years and especially with certain guys in this draft class yeah and uh, another guy i want to ask you about um and someone that's kind of in the sense range at number seven is matthew savoy like this um talk about an undersized player but he has all those uh, offensive attributes you want to see good skating great shot he's also a good playmaker as well I mean he put up a bunch of points 90 points in the WHL do you think he's someone that could make sense uh, for the Sens at seventh yeah if the Sens decide to draft a small player that this is probably the guy that they go with because he's got the, the incredible skill he's got the ability to score he's got the ability to be a playmaker and he's absolutely cerebral he's one of these guys that you, you can kind of see the switch click when, sometimes when he gets pissed off or when he gets angry or when he sees right. that he needs to make a play. And then he'll just walk anybody. Like you, you saw it at the top prospects game. You saw him with the Winnipeg ice where he would just go, okay, I'm the best player on the ice right now. I don't care if Shane Wright's on my line. I don't <laughs> care. Like I will go and I'll be the best player on the ice, the most dynamic player on the ice. And he has that ability to do that. So I think this is a guy that – is he Braden Point? Maybe not. Braden Point's obviously an elite NHL player, but if you're getting B plus Braden Point here, a guy that can play center at a smaller level, in worst case scenario, he ends up being a really dynamic top line winger. Yep. I don't think you're really complaining too much about this guy. Oh, you're on mute, Ross. Nice. What a pro. What a pro. Uh, just a couple more for you, Tony. Really appreciate your time. As always, go follow him on Twitter. At the Tony Ferrari, you can find his work in the Hockey News. One of my favorite things to watch is game tape with Tony. Again, at the Hockey News, all these prospects in a very casual environment, but also picking their brain, watching their clips over again. So definitely recommend going to check that out at the Hockey News. Now, you mentioned some picks, some available talent at number seven for the Ottawa Senators. If I gave you the list of Cutter Gauthier, which I don't think you're going to choose based on our conversation already, but let's say the other two shooters who we haven't spoken about, because we did talk about Nazar, Savoy. Let's put these two head-to-head. Jonathan LeCaramacki and Joakim Kamel. Who would you take out of those two guys and why? 
That's a that's a tough one. I think I probably lean Kamel because I think the upside is a little bit higher with him. He's a, he's an active four checker. When he gets engaged and he gets motivated, he can be a really good defensive player too. He brings a bit of a physical element to the game. I've seen him hip check guys. I've seen him throw a big hit in the open ice. He has that ability. It's a little inconsistent, but he has that. And then he has the unreal shooting ability. I think at the start of the year, he had a 33% shooting percentage, if I'm not mistaken, and that's when he was leading the Liga in scoring. Then he had an injury, and there, his scoring fell off in the second half of the year. But I think he's somewhere in the middle of what we kind of saw. I think he could be a, a 17% shooter at the NHL level if, if his kind of game works out. Whereas LeCaramacchi, I think, is like a B-plus version of him. I think there's a lot of things that he does. He's an active four-checker as well. He doesn't bring the physical element to the game. I think he thrives a little bit more on the power play. But this, I think both guys are realistically good good options at number seven. Any, anywhere between seven and 15, I think any of the, both of those guys could go. Well, because you mentioned with Brad Lambert maybe not having the best teammates. Well, for a part of the season, they were on the same team yes. with JYP. And that was the craziest thing about it is because Brad Lambert was getting dumped all over the lineup. Joachim Kamal was like, here's, here's Turk Linen. Play with him all season long. We're not going to move you once. Like We're going to put you with the best player on our team. Thrive. And Turk Linen drove play a lot of the times and did a lot of things that Brad Lambert would kind of, or Brad Lambert wishes he had on his line. And, and Joachim Kamel kind of really benefited from that. And I think that's that was one of the most confusing situations in, in this entire draft class because with Kamel, they were like, here's a guy, stick with him. With Brad Lambert, they're like, here's everyone. You might as well play on a line with two defensemen. Who knows? Yeah. Jeez. I mean, every time we cover uh, prospects overseas, I'm always baffled at the differences in uh, development and coaching decisions that they have. Danila Yurov, of course. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We won't even get into that. So, no, so we've that's covered, a whole other uh, episode. Yeah. I don't want to get angry again. Um, <laughs> we, we've covered a lot of options for the seventh overall pick. The Sens' next selection is at number 39. Now, I've got a couple guys I'm targeting here. As I've kind of prefaced this question to other people, let's go with the assumption that the Sens take a forward at 7th. So probably maybe looking at a defenseman at pick 39. Who are some guys you have in their range? And uh, I'm looking at your rankings right now, and there's a guy that I love that is right in that target area. Uh, there's a lot of guys in that range because I think a lot of the guys in my mid to late 20s that are defensemen, whether it's a guy like Sam Renzel, a guy like Owen Pickering could be there. But I think the guy that I, I'd probably go with is, is maybe Ty, Ty Nelson. That's my guy. guy. That, yes. Yeah. Little undersized guy. I think he was limited a little bit by the system he played with in North Bay. Yeah. He has all this offensive potential. You see flashes of just absolute game-breaking ability, the ability to just look at a, guy, a defender on the other team and absolutely walk him and then has a bomb of a shot. So yeah. there's a ton of potential here. And uh, his defensive game gets crapped on a little bit too much, I think. He's a guy that is more than willing to engage physically. Like, I've seen this guy in person multiple times, and dude's jacked. Like, for being a 5'8 defender. That's the thing. He's, he's almost 200 pounds. Tank. It's yeah, insane. He's, He's, he's got the strength. He's got the skating ability. He's got the offensive dynamism. I think he needs to work on his positioning a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think this is a guy that is probably going to get drafted in the second round because he's 5'8", but he plays like he's six feet. So I, I don't know. I think this is a guy that probably has some pretty solid value in the second round. I love that you went with Pillsy's guy. That's so awesome. All right, Tony, final question. Since we're talking about a right shot defenseman like Ty Nelson, we often see on these lists, you're checking Nemich 1-2. Like, like – in their order together, not one, two on the entire board. Yeah. You've got a bit of a gap here. What gives Juracek that much leeway to be number three on your list versus Nemich down at eight? I think Nemich is a guy that has a lot of potential, 
but he's yet to kind of show it. And I think that sounds a little bit mean because he's done so much at the Slovak league, but the Slovak league's not very good. The Czech league is better than that. Um, and at the end of the day, I think with what Juracek does, he plays a bit more of a projectable game, but there's also so much more offensive upside. He's got the, the cerebral nature to his game, whereas Nemec is a little bit more of a, I'm going to push the puck around. I think the big thing I noticed with him in transition is he likes to shovel the puck up the ice a, a little bit like Morgan Riley does, where he's kind of pushing the puck a few feet and skating onto it, pushing the puck a few feet and skating onto it. Whereas a guy like Juracek, when he's pushing the puck up the ice or skating up the ice, he's stick handling. He's using the puck on his stick to manipulate defenders. He's not just using the space that he can find. So I think that's kind of one of the things. That, and I think at the end of the day, I think Nemec needs to kind of develop a little bit more an aggressive tone, a killer instinct, because it sounds weird to say with all the offensive numbers he put up, and especially with the playoffs he had, I think it showed a little bit more. But Juracek is a guy that will go into the offensive zone, whether it's on the power player at five on five, and want to be the difference maker, want to be the guy that makes a play. Whereas a guy like Nemec is like seemingly – off putting himself to to the to the other team and, and kind of just letting the, his teammates make the play and, and letting kind of things happen around him rather than being the guy that's doing it. Super interesting. And we talk about wanting a forward for the Sens, but if Nemec is on the board here, I changed my opinion. He would be yeah. a great pick as a right shot D for the Ottawa Senators. Tony, we look forward to continuing watching your coverage along with the hockey news and at winging it in Motown and Boots on the ground. You're going to be in Montreal. So we'll be following along at the Tony Ferrari on Twitter. Always appreciate you joining us, man. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, sounds good, boys. Thanks to Tony Ferrari for joining us. Uh, a busy time for a guy like Tony. So for him to not only give us time for an interview on today's show, we get into some great topics, as you just heard, but also... He's one of the analysts on our mock draft video, our YouTube exclusive video. So we can't thank Tony enough for taking the time to do that. And guys, got to let you know this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's so hard for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer Something that you can do. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket on your mobile device. Save time and money while using rockauto.com. Why would you spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or your car dealership when you can do it yourself? rockauto.com. Prices are reliably low for every single customer. They've been doing it for over 20 years. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solutions for all your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now, right now, and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right? Locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. All right, guys. Well, like I mentioned off the top, we're still kind of waiting for some more Ottawa Senators news. While Ross is away, it'd be nice if Pierre Dorian could throw me a bone or two so I could have something to chat about. But there hasn't been too much. We've got some new assistant general managers. There's been Claude Giroux rumors. The draft is two days away, so we're focusing on the draft. As you guys have noticed, we've been following along while Ross has been away. We've had great interviews uh, throughout this time. Chris Peters, David St. Louis, 
Tony Ferrari, Corey Pronman, Scott Wheeler. There's so many great guests that have joined us to kind of help fill this time and help you get ready for the 2022 NHL draft. I am fired up about this. If you guys still haven't watched our mock draft, some of those names I just mentioned are on that YouTube exclusive video, almost four hours long, almost 18,000 views. We cannot thank you guys enough for helping us get to that point. This has been monumental for us and uh, we're stoked to do this every year going forward. We have 64 prospect profiles. We did our rankings all the way down from 64 to number one. We used seven different scouting entities to make our average list. We used Craig Button, Bob McKenzie, Chris Peters, Tony Ferrari, Corey Pronman, Scott Wheeler, and I'm missing one. I forget what the last one is, but that's six of the seven. And we made our own list based off those and we ranked our top 64, and we go in depth about each prospect. Most of the time, we do about 8 to 15 minutes on each prospect, so you get a good view of what these guys are all about and what we think about them, and if we think they could be a fit with the Ottawa Senators in this upcoming draft. Thank you guys for following along with the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Brandon Piller for Ross Levitan, away on vacation. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team, Every day.